Welcome to the Thrive Podcast. We hope you find this message encouraging and challenging. Check out what we talked about this week. All right. Hey, great to see you tonight. I'm very excited about the opportunity to speak at Thrive again. You, most of you probably know me, but I'm Pastor David, and uh, very excited to be here. You're probably like, where is Josh? Where did he go? Uh, he is actually on his way back right now. He was out of town for a three-day conference, just learning and growing, and so we're looking forward to him being back next week. But in the meantime, you got me. And uh, I'm very excited. This is one of the most awesomest uh, groups that I've ever seen. One of the best student ministries on planet Earth. Come on. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right in. So grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And this is the story. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. But um, this is the story of David and Jonathan. And let's recap really quick what's going on. So David has just been anointed the future king of Israel. And just a chapter earlier in 1 Samuel 17, he uh, beat the crap out of Goliath. Okay, he just like killed Goliath. He defeated him. And he is riding cloud nine. And Saul places him in his personal army. And is like, man, I see potential in this guy, David. And so then we pick it up. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Let's pray before we jump in. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to hear from your word tonight. Lord, thank you that you're going to speak to us, that you're going to challenge us through your word. And, Lord, that um, in here in a few minutes we'll have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard, Lord, and make decisions to live and to move and to walk in the direction that you are pointing us, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I, I got to tell you a secret about myself, and I hope... I hope that you will accept this uh, secret that you're not going to make fun of me. Can you promise you're not going to make fun of me? Okay, you make no promises, I heard. Whatever. It's not very nice. Okay, this is the secret. Well, this is part of the secret. This is the first part, setting up the, the main secret. And I like shoes. Okay? I like sho- Anybody else like shoes? You just like shoes? Okay, I know that there are a lot more people who are lying right now because I see your kick game. I'm checking out the kicks when I walk in here, okay? Okay, so I like shoes. My shoes have different purposes, okay? I have my, I have my shoes that I'll wear on Sunday mornings. Those are, my, those are my little bit nicer shoes. I have shoes that I wear into the office, okay? I have shoes that I mow the grass in. I have shoes that I play sports in, like I have specific shoes for golf, I have specific shoes for fishing, 
I have specific shoes for going and working out and running. I have shoes, and they all serve a different purpose. If I'm going to wear my nice shoes and mow the yard, they're not going to last as long. They're not going to last as long. They're going to get dirty. They're going to get gross. Then I'll have to buy more shoes, which I guess wouldn't be that bad of a thing. But, okay, here's the interesting part. This is the little bit, uh, this is the part that not very many people know about me, okay? I hate shoes that don't have laces on them. I hate them. I can't stand shoes that don't have laces. I don't get the point of them. Why would I want to wear a glorified slipper outside of the house? Okay, they're slippery. I'm not wearing that in public. Give me a shoe with some laces that I can tie those babies tightly to my feet. And I don't want, I don't want flaky, slippy, like just loose shoes. Drives me nuts. I want shoes that will stay tied to my feet. They're going to go where I want them to go. Every time I've worn a shoe without laces, for some reason I'm walking fast, it's left behind. It comes off. I want shoes that will go with me where I am going, and I want shoes that will keep me protected. And I know what you might be thinking. Pastor David, what on earth does shoes have to do with the Bible? What does shoes have to do with Jesus? What does shoes have to do with Jesus and following him. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. And this is the title of the message. Friends are like shoes. Friends are like shoes. We all have people in our lives that are like laceless shoes. They aren't tied tightly to us. And then some, we have people who are like the glorious laced shoes. They never let us down. Those people in our lives, they're like lace shoes. They never let us down. But sometimes we have trouble differentiating between which friends are good for us and which friends maybe are not so good for us. So we look back at the text in verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. That phrase, became one with, become one with, is the Hebrew word kesar, and it means this. It means to tie, to bind strongly, to be strong. Jonathan was like a nice pair of laced-up shoes to David. He was tightly tied to him. He was close to him. He went with him. He wasn't a pair of glorified slippers in David's life that looked good on the outside, but deep down on the inside, they were uncomfortable. Now, I want to help you tonight based off of this tiny five-verse passage. I want to give you three things. I'm going to call them three sets of laces. Okay, to be, for you to be, and to be looking for in your godly friendships, all right? Because, listen to this, listen up. Friendship is the paved highway that the Holy Spirit will most travel on. 
Friendship is the paved highway that the Holy Spirit will most travel on. We experience God more when we are in the right friendships. Do you want to be used in a powerful way by God? I see some people nodding. One hand, okay, one person. I know I want to be used in a powerful way by God. I, I know I want my dreams and my visions to come to fruition, to come into reality. Anybody else want that? All right, more hands that time. That's good. So if you want those things, then make sure you and your friends match these three types of laces. All right? Number one, be unusually similar. Be unusually similar. If you've ever seen somebody with two different shoes on, they look ridiculous. My son just had a, a day called Wacky Wednesday. He's in kindergarten. And they had Wacky Wednesday where you, they just dressed up all wacky. And he was like, Dad, I want to wear two different shoes because I'll look so silly. And I was like, yeah, you will look silly with two different shoes on. In verse 1, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Friends should be tied tightly together. Friends should be valuing each other. Friends should encourage and lift each other up. Friends should love each other. Friends should be stronger together. And friends should be of the same mind. I think that there's a huge difference between two people who are both Christians and friends and two people who have honestly created a Christian friendship. I want you to evaluate your closest friends right now. Maybe you're even sitting next to them. Maybe you're sitting next to one of your closest friends. I want you to close off, close off the distraction of your friends sitting next to you and evaluate your closest friends now. Maybe they're not here, but do they value you and love you and make you stronger when they are around you? Do they encourage you? Now, what about you? What about you? Are you making others stronger when you're around? Are you lifting them up? When you are here at Thrive, are you around friends that distract you from Jesus? If not, then maybe I have to ask you, are you the one distracting your friends from Jesus? The second set of laces that we ought to be and ought to be finding in our friends is to be in agreement. Be in agreement. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. That's verse 3. Jonathan and David talked and made an agreement to be in agreement. They made an agreement like, hey, we're going to be on the same page. We're going to be moving in the same direction because of their deep value for each other. A friendship 
should unify friends and tie them together tightly. So let me ask you, are your friends unified with you? Are they on the same page as you? Are they moving in the same direction as you? Because I'm going to tell you what, in friendships, it's always easier to be pulled down than to be lifted up. Always easier to be pulled down than to be lifted up. Be sure that you are being lifted up and that you are lifting up others around you. All right, the third set of laces that we got to be looking for. Number three, be full of humility and transparency. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, I want you to look at this verse for what it really is and for what it really means, okay? We're going to break this down a lot right now, okay? What Jonathan was doing was totally humiliating himself in front of David. See, in biblical times, when it talks about he took off his robe along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt, basically, he had stripped down to his skivvies, okay? Sorry if, the, if you don't like that word. Okay, skivvies. Underwear is another word that maybe you're uncomfortable with me saying up here because I'm watching a lot of you like, oh, my gosh, did he just say skivvies? Ugh, and he said underwear right after that. Gross. Now, this wasn't an inappropriate thing like it would be today. Okay, that would be super inappropriate. Please don't do this right now. But it wasn't as inappropriate back in Bible times. See, okay, let's break it down. He took off his robe and tunic. What was Jonathan saying to David? Well, what he was saying was, I'm letting you see me for who I really am. I'm not going to hide anything from you or keep anything from you. We're going to have an open and honest friendship centered around Jesus. He gave David his sword, his bow, and his belt. So his sword is probably connected to his belt. And his bow is probably somehow connected to his belt as well. What Jonathan is saying to David when he hands him over his sword, his bow, and his belt, he's saying, I'll never attack you. I'll never attack you. Actually, here are my weapons you could actually use these against me right now. But I trust you with my life. These are powerful statements in symbolism that, that Jonathan is saying to David. We're going to have an open and honest friendship where I'm going to tell you things that I'm struggling with. And I'm expecting you to encourage me and lift me up and build me up in Jesus and give me hope that I need. And also, here are all of my weapons. I'm saying I will never attack you. I will never talk poorly about you behind your back. And in fact, I know that you could do the same to me, but I trust you. I fully trust you. 
Jonathan illustrates a complete state of humility in their friendship, a state of transparency and a complete trust in David. Do you see the beautiful picture that God desires for you and your closest friendships? God desires that you would be around friends that will love you, build you up, be open and honest with you, challenge you in Christ, challenge you to follow Jesus better, to follow Jesus more, and yet be able to be open and transparent in front of you as well and want that from you in return. God wants your friends to be like a good pair of laced shoes, the best kind of shoes, ones that will go with you and help you on your journey with Christ. Now, does that mean that we are never, ever, ever supposed to be friends with somebody who doesn't walk with Jesus, who doesn't follow Jesus? Not at all. Not at all. We have to be out influencing people for Jesus. But we do have to be aware of who we let be close to us. Because this is key. Godly friends will always value your friendship with Jesus above your friendship with them. Godly friends will put your relationship with Jesus before their friendship with you. They want you to be following Jesus, to be friends with Jesus, to be experiencing Jesus, even if it means that you have to spend time away from them as your friend. They will never come between you and Jesus. They complement your relationship with Jesus. They don't confuse your relationship with Jesus. Here's a bonus set of laces that you should be and you should be looking for in a friend. That's simply pointing your friends to Jesus. Pointing to Jesus. Your friends have got to be pointing you to Jesus, your closest friends. And you ought to be pointing your closest friends to Jesus as well. When you experience a friendship that is unusually similar, that is in agreement, and that is full of humility and transparency, when you experience a godly friend who values your relationship with Jesus more than anything else, don't miss this in verse 5. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. See this verse in context. What really is going on here is because of Jonathan's godly friendship, David was able to be successful. Because of the friend Jonathan was to David, David was successful. If you're sitting here tonight and you're feeling this sense of this overwhelming feeling of failure, like you'll never be successful, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's the people you've allowed to get close to you. There's a very popular statement, and I tell every student I can this all the time, but it's 
show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your next five years. Show me your next, your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Because your five closest friends will influence the direction that you go. There's good news though. There's good news. God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven we could not only have eternal life, but have the best kind of friendship with him, the living God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And get this. And let us consider how we, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching? It's when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that will happen, but we know it's coming because Jesus promised it. And in the meantime, Paul's right, or whoever wrote Hebrews, we, some people think it's Paul, but the author said, let us consider. And while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, let us consider how we can encourage one another. Spur one another on. Point each other to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes all over this room. 